When we can step in as the faith community on a more consistent level of journeying with each other, then there becomes safe places for people to reach out and say, I'm struggling or I don't know what to do or, or, or this just feels insurmountable. I don't know what to do with this pain. I don't know what to do. Nothing's ever going to change. And when we know that and we can step in, we not only are kind, we actually can save lives. Welcome to the 10,000 Minute Podcast. My name's Tim Timmons. We got Amoy Donis. Hello. Christopher Cleveland. Hey. And uh, we've got a great episode today. We do. A hard episode. Mm-hmm. Hard episode. It's great, but it's it's hard. Whew. Timmy, uh, Timmy Timmons cried a decent amount. I got close. I got hey. real close. Yes. I was a mess. Well, yes. I'm doing great now. Everything's great. Hey, I've got it. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, no, we talk about my dog, Lucy, the whole time, and it just got me so it. pissed no, off. That's not what happened. That's not what happened <laughs> at all. Um, guys, so we are uh, we are interviewing today Kay Warren, who has been you know, her husband, Rick Warren, who is kind of they both kind of started the, the Saddleback Church mm-hmm. in California. And the so, whole thing? Yeah, that whole thing. And we got to have a really honest conversation with her and learned a bunch. So this is about kind of uh, mental health and mental illness and how to walk with people. Her story of losing her son, Matthew, Mm -hmm. um, years ago to suicide. And so, yeah, so trigger warnings. We do talk about suicide. We do talk about some mental illnesses. Just a heads up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But guys, it's worth listening to. It's worth rethinking our thinking on this stuff. Um, Gosh, there's some nuggets in this thing. too. Yeah, it's really great. So um, thank you for listening. I think you're going to love this episode. Thank you for supporting 10,000 Minutes. Um, Those of you who've jumped in recently, thank you. We're so grateful for you. Um, The monthly and the one-time donations, thank you, because we're kind of running off of what you're giving. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Um, Please like, subscribe. What were all the things? I, I almost said rotate. Comment. I was like, was what? Rotate? Ro- rotate. 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 Episode. Yeah. Share them. Uh, share, yeah, share this. This is this is worth sharing. Um, they all are actually in different ways, but this one is really worth sharing for anybody who's in the middle of it, a parent of something, a friend of somebody who's going through it. Um, and it's just great awareness, people. Mm-hmm. So enjoy this. We've got Kay Warren on the other side Ooh, of the Zoom yes. world. I've been a fan of yours for years, and I just know a lot of people that know you well. And I know the whole limelight world, and you know we're in that in so many different ways. And people that love you behind your back says so much. Mm-hmm. So people that not just love you, but respect you so much. Um, so well done just from the people behind your back. Does that make sense? Thank you. I think those are some of the best, best affirmations there are, are the ones where people go. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I agree. Cause it's not what people say to your Who face. Cares? Cause people will yes. say just about anything to your <laughs> face, but um, yeah, it's the comments behind the scenes. You're that just really beautiful and you're a force for good in the world. And mm. just as oh, a well, person thanks. on the other side who has been a semi friend for years, I'm just saying thank you and well done. Oh, mm. thanks Jim. Totally. We're more than semi friends. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're not BFFs or anything, but I feel no. like, you know, like I want to be, but it's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> You've had quite a season in this past few months. Yeah, this season, this year is the big year of transition where mm. uh, where we leave senior leadership at Saddleback Church, the place that we have been our entire adult lives, you right. know, 42 mm-hmm. and a half years. And uh, and just we're a few weeks in to that new season. And it has it has been a year. It wow. has been a year. I knew transition would be challenging and I knew it would be hard. I didn't know how hard and I didn't know where the hard would come from, but it's, Mm. it has been, it's, it's not an easy thing to leave Mm -hmm. the place, uh, you know, your, your whole life's work actually at that moment and then to head in a different direction. But we did, we've done it. We did it. We're we're starting, we've had the last of the lasts and we're in the first of the firsts. Mm. 
I mean, we should be have this should actually be on transition versus any of the other things that we're actually asking about because there's so much to learn in these moments. It's kind of like, you know, people always talk about when you come into a new job, you've got six months of sobriety or maybe even three months of sobriety there that you can actually see things clear. You know, like you can see things clearly in that mm-hmm. moment. You go, oh, gosh, I didn't see what weights I was holding before. Or you can see in this organization or whatever you go, oh, gosh, there's some there's some holes here mm-hmm. where once you get in for a little bit, you kind of lose that sobriety, if you will. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, you know, after 42 and a half years there, hmm, I guess I would say there's probably some things we grew blind to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the familiarity yeah. blinds you a little bit. So it is great to kind of step back and look with fresh eyes. Um, but Overall, I can say, you know, Saddleback is not a perfect church. Uh, we were certainly not perfect leaders, but man, what a privilege it has been to to lead this particular flock this long. I don't know what life will look like. I right. genuinely don't know. Right. It's exciting, yeah. though. Okay, you're awesome. Well, we are curious with you. Well, I know it's supposed to be exciting. <laughs> it's a little scary. Um, yeah. Right. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. It's right. I like that. It was the right time. This was what we were supposed to do. This was God led us. This was the time. I, I'm enough of an Eeyore, mm-hmm. you know, that I can't, I'm not a Tigger. Rick's the Tigger. Uh, so Rick would be saying, <laughs> yes, exciting. Your best days are ahead. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. Cheerleader, yeah, la, la, yeah. la. And, and I'm more like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm an Eeyore. What's, what's the gift in the Eeyore? Oh, Eeyore's feel. Okay, yeah, because yeah. it makes it sound like it's just such a negative thing. But what what, no, what is the no, gift no. that Eeyores, you get to bring? Well, it's only negative if you're not an Eeyore. To Eeyores, mm. it's a wonderful Touché. gift. Um, right. A feeling of experiencing. You can go to the depths of, mm-hmm. of any experience in ways. I think there's a richness mm. to Eeyores yeah. that I love. Mm. I like the pace of Eeyore, right? Mm. He's never, Eeyore's never running. That's he's just true. walking and he's getting where he's going. You know mm. what I mean? I love and he's that. bringing everybody with him. That's mm. right. Those silly tiggers that are bouncing you know, everywhere. Crazy. That's and right. Rabbits with their lists. Yeah. You know, got to get this done. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I like it. So good. Okay. Um, okay. We're going to start out with just a few fun questions just because we can. <laughs> so we're going to do 10,000 thoughts. We do it at the beginning and the end sometimes. And today we're just going to have a little okay. time. So this is just kind of speed around. K. you just go wherever you need to go. Okay. okay. Hidden talent. Go. Not that you need to show us or do it, but what is it? <laughs> hidden talent. Um, 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 oh gosh, really? I don't want to play this game. Um, so real. Um, cooking. Oh, okay. What does that That's a love mean? language bake, for bake, Timmons. Bake, okay, very, oh, very different. Okay. Those are very different. Very, very different. Baking is precise. Yes. Cooking is free for all. <gasps> and um, I love to bake. It's therapy. Okay. Ooh. Are you into the, like the British Bake Off and all of the things? Love oh, it. Yes. Love it. Just watched the latest episode yesterday. Oh, we love it in our house. Yes. We can't bake, but I look at it like, man, I eat that. You know? But we appreciate it. Yeah, we baking. sure do. It's just therapy. Yeah, that's right. Anytime my kids used to know that if I was making chocolate chip cookies, it's like, what's wrong? Totally. What's going on? Mm. Something's wrong with yes. mom. That's so good. I, I cook. I'm on that side of it. Like baking, <laughs> it is embarrassing. I am yeah. an embarrassment to the world if I try to bake. Yes. But cooking all day. That's okay. It's okay. That's why we need cookers and cookers. Yeah. Cookers Girl, and cookers and all day long. Okay. Uh, <laughs> something you are bad yeah. at. <laughs> Math. Oof. Don't have to think about that. Well, we just Oof. joined a team together, you and me. Okay. Uh, sweet yeah. or sour? Mm, sweet. <sighs> uh, spirit animal. If you were an animal, Kay, mm-hmm. let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Josh, really, this is not my. You're doing not my so deal. great. You're doing um, so you're great. Winning. A bird, a bird, okay. a bird. I would pick yes, and I'm going to pick a house finch, a male house finch, because they're so pretty. <laughs> I think she just like won. It. She did. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what you just it. won, K, but you won something. I'm actually, so. after this, I'm going to Google. <laughs> yeah, male finch. <laughs> they're so pretty. Is it yellow? So what pretty. color is it? 
It's red. Red. Ooh. It's red and brown, but it just it's got this beautiful red head and and red breast and it's and it goes all the way to the back feathers uh. and it's just, and it has the sweetest song. It has the most beautiful song. Can you sing it? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> we heard you say earlier, so I think we could yeah, well, that that was slightly different. Okay, last one, bucket list. I don't, I don't make bird sounds. No. Okay, good. Uh, bucket list. Do you have one? Anything um, on there? This is apropos mm, time to be asking this question to you. Yeah. See, I think that my brain is on um, slow speed. It's on E or speed at the moment. Bucket list. I don't. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, that's that is a that is a perfectly good answer. Mm-hmm. And at some point, okay, if something good. pops out, we'll we'll give you a bucket list. Okay. I'll just spontaneously yes. shout it. <laughs> um, so, okay, hey, this is 10,000 minutes. And the idea is there are 10,080 minutes in a week. 80 of those minutes are spent in a gathering uh, that the church gathers together, whether in a home or in a building or whatever. It's beautiful. But there are 10,000 other minutes until we gather again. And I've spent my whole life on the 80 minutes. And I'm trying to figure out how do we put the way of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, the words of Jesus into practice in the 10,000 minutes? Because I think that's when the stuff hits the fan is in the 10,000 minutes, not necessarily in the 80. And it's not dogging the 80. It's just going, huh, how do we put more resource into walking with each other and practicing the way of Jesus in the 10,000 minutes? So with that, we've been talking to a lot of experts and places and just pl- people we want to learn with and from. And you're one of those people for me that uh, I've had so many conversations with people who are walking into mental health stuff and mental illness and all of these, this whole arena. And you've been such a voice in this arena for church people, for Jesus people in defending this whole community from a group of people who I, so I was on a walk with a guy this morning and he grew up, he, he was just diagnosed with OCD three years ago and his whole growing up, he was just told that's evil at work in you and you don't have enough of the spirit in you, the spirit, you know, this is like his whole thing. So he was feeling like he had to, you know, say, God, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. So he'd do the same rituals and do it for other people all the time. And he thought he was being tormented by the spirit of God. And yet there's something going on here. And so now he's having to like deconstruct in these ways Hmm. from something that you go, oh, gosh, I wonder if Jesus wasn't a part of all those accusations before that the church was putting on you or whatever. And this is just such a huge issue. And we just wanted to bring you on and learn with you in this stuff. So can you give us a little background of why you've become such an advocate for this whole community? Because my son died Hmm. from this terrible tragic thing called mental illness. I spent, you know, a decade as a global advocate for people with HIV and orphans. And I chose that. That was, that's a long story, but there was a moment in which, you know, I felt like God said, this is what I want you to do. Will you say yes to it? So there was this intentional, deliberate call from God and an intentional, deliberate answer. But the day my son died, I knew that I had instantly been thrust into a whole different world and I didn't feel like I had a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, this was this was our life. This was the most personal thing that had ever happened, the most devastating thing. And uh, it wasn't a matter of will I use this experience to try to bring help and comfort and answers to other people like my son or not. It was like, this. I must. Yeah. It was compelling that, that we not, what to us felt like waste, um, the tragic loss of his life would be to advocate for people like him. So Mm. it was a heart decision. Mm. (sighs) Okay. Can you define mental health, mental illness? Is there a difference between the two? How does that work? Sure. Well, I mean, there's a lot of technical yeah. answers. I, I One thing I would say is there's so much we don't know. I just yeah. start with it. There's so much we don't so know. Good. Mental illness as such is not so clearly definable the way that if you, you know, if you're getting tested for diabetes, there's very specific things that are looked for in a blood test. If you're being tested mm-hmm. for cancer, there's very specific things that are looked for. And mental illness is not like that. Mm-hmm. It's much more imprecise than that. 
and I think there's a growing understanding that that we all have mental health. Sometimes we have mental ill health, but we all Mm -hmm. have mental health. Mm -hmm. And it's it happens on a continuum. If you lose your job, you're going to be sad. If you have a breakup, you're going to be sad. If you um, like us at this particular stage of life, we could look ahead with anxiety because we don't really know what's it. Those are normal. That's because we're human beings and we have feelings and emotions and reactions. And that's what you're supposed to do, you know, when stuff happens. But sometimes um, that grows in such a way that you find it difficult to just do daily life. You know, you have a hard time. Your work is hard. Your relationships are hard. School is hard. Career is like everything. When it starts becoming more and more difficult to live life, then you start wondering, okay, maybe there's something else, Mm -hmm. you know, going on. So on that continuum can be from just the way all of us have feelings and emotions and responses um, because we're human beings made in the image of God. But sometimes that can progress to such a way in which, you can't do life yeah. or it's very difficult to do life. And that's when we start talking about mental ill health or mental health challenges. Mm-hmm. So were there, sorry, I'm, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but going back to Matthew, were there things that you look back and you go, gosh, there, there were signs here the whole time. Oh, for him. Absolutely. And we just yeah, didn't, we just didn't know it. No, no, we knew Okay. <laughs> the thing. The thing with Matthew is from the time he was my third child. And so by the time he was a toddler, I was already going, what the heck? Yeah. He is not mm-hmm. like my other two. Mm-hmm. Everything that I had, you know, I thought is pretty good parent up to that point. But um, I mean, when he was playing Candyland as a, as a two-year-old, if he lost or he got fresh, he would throw the board and then cry for hours and mm-hmm. you couldn't console him. And you're like, it's just, it's just a game, buddy. It's, it's right. okay. Right. And, but he could, he couldn't get over that. Like he had lost and but he wouldn't talk about it. So you just have this miserable little yeah. two-year-old who's crying yeah. and in this negative mood over Candyland, and you start going, "What? What is this?" And so it just kind of kept going. When he was seven, he came home from school, um, started coming home from school, and saying he was sad. Mm-hmm. We had just moved from one end of the Saddleback Valley to the other, so we just thought it was because we'd moved, right, you know. Right. And he'd left his neighborhood, and that's that's again a normal yeah. response to to moving, but. He just couldn't get past it and he lost interest in video games and he didn't want to play with his friends. And he just kept saying, I'm sad, I'm Mm. sad, I'm sad. We didn't know that children could experience mental health. We didn't know that children could be depressed. We didn't know. And so um, we probably would have been diagnosed sooner if we had known that Mm. children, I remember asking our children's pastor at the time, can children experience depression? And when she said yes, it, it floored me. I just had no idea. Took him to the pediatrician and then from there to, you know, a psychologist or psychiatrist. And then it and then from seven on, it just was one diagnosis after another or early onset bipolar disorder, OCD, major depression, suicidal ideation, body dysmorphic disorder, Mm -hmm. borderline personality disorder, chronic. I mean, it just it just kept growing and growing and growing. So we actually knew yeah. he lived for 20 yeah. years with serious mental illness yeah. so we knew wow Ugh, a little emotional over here Kay. it's um thank you i know you share this all it's me with my cancer journey that i get to share it all the time but it's just it's it's just real every time and thank you for mm-hmm. all the work you're doing because there's so many people out there with little two-year-olds mm-hmm. that need to say be hurt you know be told it's okay let's Let's, let's figure it out. Let's be curious about this instead of just damning it or putting it off as something else. You know, just something you said triggered my thoughts. Sometimes we as parents, because, well, sometimes it's ignorance. Like us, we didn't know that children could, we thought that was something maybe adults right. did, or that was, you mm-hmm. know, the person you saw talking right. to themselves right. on the street. We didn't know it could be in our home and our child. And so I think sometimes parents just don't know. It's just ignorance. But then there's the fear of, oh my gosh, what if this is, no, 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 can't, that can't possibly be so. And so they push it away with fear. But sometimes also there's just a, in that, in that fear and ignorance would treat our kids might say, oh, stop being a drama queen, you know, or you, you think you've got problems, wait till you're my age. You know, you say to your 14 year old, you know, you think you got problems. You try to be the person who's holding down the job and providing for this. You know, we say these things and we minimize, uh, first of all, we miss what's going Mm -hmm. on sometimes. And then 
when we do see stuff going on with our kids, we tend to minimize mm-hmm. it and act as though they're, what they're feeling is so minimal. They're not real world problems. But to the kid, their whole they're world, very yeah. definitely real yeah. world problem. That's the world they're living. And so for parents to, to if stuff goes on with, if they lose interest in their something that has always interested them or they start sleeping too much or they're not sleeping at all or they're having all these stomach aches and uh you know there there are things that start giving you clues something is not all it's not well with mm-hmm. my child and i need to pay attention mm-hmm. here um do you happen to know the statistics or uh, maybe some numbers on how it affects us, maybe just kind of in our side of our world, but like how often people are possible to having mental illnesses mm. or one in um, five, one mm. in five, one in five Americans will experience a mental illness in the next wow. year. So that's about 43 wow. million. I think. Yeah. Remember I said, I don't <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's, that's yeah. pretty about, quick, fast <laughs> yeah. about yeah. 43 million people right now, you know, are um, in the coming year are going to experience a mental health challenge. Uh, it's like one in five children. Mm. Wow. Mm. Um, half of all mental illness starts showing signs by age 14, by age 24, 75% mm-hmm. of mental illness. Here's a statistic that will blow your mind. According to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, of us will experience a mental health challenge over our lifetime. So common. That can be from the spectrum of depression to anything else. Serious mental, what they call serious Mm, mental illness, which would be psychosis, you know, um, schizophrenia, some of the bipolar time, sometimes bipolar can be extremely serious. So yeah, that's considered serious mental, what they call Mm -hmm. serious mental illness. But yeah, on that spectrum, 50% of us will experience a mental health challenge in our lifetime. It's so common. Yeah. And so the thing is, everybody, everybody knows it's either you or somebody you love or one of your friends is experiencing mental health Mm -hmm. challenge today. Yeah. Very, very common. Okay. So Kay, church has not done a great job Mm -hmm. with this. I mean, we can just call a duck a duck. And not damn anything, but right. we can just say, maybe we haven't, maybe we need to rethink our thinking on this. Why has that been such an issue with the church? Like why I'm sure you've gotten plenty of pushback from people saying, no, this is, this is a spiritual issue. This is whatever. Thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're body, soul, and spirit. Right. You know, we are, we, we are a whole being. We're not just body. We're not just mind. We're not just spirit. And something can go wrong on every one of those levels. Something right. can go wrong in your body. Something can go wrong in your spirit. Something can go wrong in your, in your mind, your brain. The brain is part of the body. It's, it's right. an organ in the body. And we're understanding more and more about the effects of early trauma on all of us is, I mean, we're, we're a whole being, we're body, soul, and spirit, and something can go wrong at every level. And it's not just our spirit that can be affected by what happens to us. Yeah. And as I said, trauma, they're understanding more and more. Um, one question that people used to ask, you think of the squirrely little boy in, you know, second grade, and just running around, not paying attention, the teachers going nuts, trying to keep this kid contained. And sometimes our response or people behave badly as they get older. And our, our response is typically, what is the matter yeah. with you? Yeah, yeah. You know, it just comes out of our mouth. What is the matter with yeah. you? And they're, and we're learning that the better question is what happened to you? Wow. Yeah. yeah. And um, so they're understanding that the trauma that we experience over our lifetime has long-term effects over our health, has long-term effects for heart disease and and cancer. I mean, it's it's yep. phenomenal mm-hmm. the effect of trauma. Yeah. So when the church doesn't understand that typically, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that I do like that I do see progress in the faith community is that I see less and less of that. Oh, it's a spiritual issue. You just need to pray more. You need to confess sin. You know, you have a demon, whatever. So I see less and less of that. And as, as, as knowledge grows in the faith community about mental illness, but here's what Mm. I see. I see a lot of clergy who are not prepared in Bible college right. or seminary to to talk about mental, to even recognize yeah, it or yeah. to to do anything with it. But they'll tend to say, 
oh, there's a person with a mental illness. We need to make sure they see a professional. And then kind of like, yeah, mm, yeah. We've huh. done, done what we needed to do. We got you connected to, you know, professional Doctor. help. So we're done. Mm-hmm. And my mentor, Dr. John Swinton from the University of Aberdeen in Scotland says, what if we, what if we take that sentence and we reframe it? And so, so instead of saying there's a person with a mental illness, therefore we as the faith community don't have to do anything about it or care. What if we shift that and we say, oh, there's a person yeah. with a mental illness. Mm. Well, then suddenly it's right. In, it's yeah. in our lap. Because it's in our DNA. We have mm-hmm. to care. It. We have to care. Caring for people and their needs is in our DNA. So none of this yes. yep. shove you yep. off to somebody yep. else. Uh, it's like, no, you are, you are here. You are us. It is, we belong together and we will care mm. for you and your family and journey mm-hmm. with you um, through through whatever it is you're going through. That's what I guess I hope to see is more of that, oh, here's a person. Mm-hmm. There's a person who has a need, or that there's a person who has right. a need. And I think that shifts mm. everything. Yeah, it's, it's a, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, Ty, who has a brother uh, who has, you know, some just different struggles. And he, you know, somebody said, uh, always put his name first and then say, it's this, it's mm. John with this versus it's yeah. he's yeah. Like giving him the identity yeah. of Down syndrome mm. or whatever. It's like he's he's a depressive. He's a schizophrenic. Right. He's a whatever. And and put the label rather than the person first. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. So where where is Jesus in all of that? So you get you know you, you're not hearing the spiritual thing as much anymore. I still hear it down here in the south. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. there. It's, it's still it's thick. Just diminishing. Mm-hmm. Um. But there's there's the argument of, well, where, where's Jesus and all this stuff? How can you have somebody who's going through something like this, a Matthew that is going through that stuff? What do you do with Jesus in the midst of all of that? I mean, I think that's a really hard question, but it's really true. I mean, that's that's with cancer. That's with all the things people are going. So where is Jesus in the midst of this? I don't I don't know if I can buy this Jesus thing. I'm pausing, not because I don't have anything to say, but because it's such a profound question. And I think it it goes to the heart of the most existential question there is. And the hardest question to answer <laughs> is, where is God when it hurts? You know, mm-hmm. Philip Yancey wrote that book a bazillion years ago, yeah. Where is God yeah. When It Hurts? Because that is the core question of us as human beings is if, if God is, first of all, if God exists and he's good, then mm-hmm. why am I suffering? Yeah. Why does it hurt so bad? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, that is a question, of course, I can't answer to the nth degree. It's my question all the time. In fact, I, yeah. anytime I find a question in scripture where somebody's calling out in their pain, um, mm-hmm. obviously the Psalms, but other places, I just write in, you know, I was reading in Isaiah the other day, this is the, this is the, question of mourners and grievers everywhere. Why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, God, did you allow this? Why, where Mm. are you? What Mm. is there? Is this all just a big cosmic joke? You know, is, have you, have you, did you set the universe in motion and then walk away? Because it doesn't feel like his fingerprints are, are here. And uh, it was Matthew's deep question. When he died, mm. he was estranged from God, angry with God, because there were so many times he would ask me, because he had, had been ill from the time he was a little boy, he would ask me with tears running down his face, I was just a little boy. Why did I, as a little boy, have to carry mm. such a heavy, heavy burden of depression? Mm. And I don't have an answer. Hmm. I don't have an answer that is sufficient, I suppose. I don't have an emotionally satisfying answer to that question. I can ask the question as a mother who lost a son to suicide, God, why did you heal that person? Because I do hear beautiful stories of people who whose mental illness becomes either a thing of the past or something that they manage and they no longer live on that edge yeah, of, yeah. Of, of chronic suicidality. I can, I can, and I have asked that question. Why did they get a miracle and right. my son right. didn't? Right. And 
I think what grief, where grief, that catastrophic grief and loss has taken me is to becoming comfortable with mystery, with things Mm. that I cannot answer. I would be lying if I told you that I have a good answer to that. I come back to the place I've rested my faith, and that is in the goodness of God, and that he can still be trusted with everything, even the things that do not make sense to me. And what I did after Matthew died is I I had what I called my hope box and my mystery pot. <laughs> and my hope box is something that I started developing when in his last years where he was just suicidal all the time. And we didn't know from day to day whether that would yeah, be the yeah. day that, that he died. Mm. And I just kept thinking, I can't, I can't endure this. I can't live with this level of stress, this hypervigilance, yeah. this not hearing from him from days and knowing if he's alive or dead because the last word I heard was a threat and he's not responding, and I don't know, and I'm knocking on his door, but I don't know, is he dead? Is he alive? Um, I can't live with, it's like, I can't live with that. And so I started just writing verses that gave me um, hope, that helped me hang on. And I would ask other people, has God given you a verse for for (laughs) Matthew that I could put in my my hope box? And so I started filling this, this little box that had hope on it with these verses and lyrics from songs that gave me strength in the night, you know, when, and sometimes I needed songs that were just quiet. And other times I needed the anthem, Brooklyn Tab Mm. songs, you know, that just are so big and so powerful. And you think this is going to hold my faith. Mm. I would put all that in my hope box. But then Matthew died. And um, I had this hope box and I felt like it just mocked me, Mm. you know, this word Mm -hmm. hope mocked Mm -hmm. me. And I took all the verses and everything out of there. I thought I threw them away. I found them a few years later. I'd stuffed them in a drawer. And it's not that those verses weren't true. They just weren't true for Matthew. Mm. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like like I'd been abandoned by my best friend. Mm. God, I wasn't mad at first. I was more like wounded. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm your friend. Yeah. Yeah. I'm your friend. I love you. You let my son die. And um, I stayed like that for a while, of course, and then kind of came to this place where it's like, but I can't live without hope. I have to have hope. I have to have something I can hope in. And so I asked God to show me some verses that were not dependent on outcomes, Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with what happened here on earth, Mm -hmm. because I had learned that everything the most precious things can disappear, can be taken. Mm. And 1 Corinthians 15, 43 was the first verse I put back into my hope box. And it says, these bodies of ours are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in glory. And I thought that's true. I can believe Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I can believe that. I can believe believe that Matthew's body was buried in brokenness and weakness, mm. but it will be raised in glory yeah. and strength. Someday when I die, however I die, my, I'll die in brokenness and I can be raised. And that became the basis mm. of rebuilding hope for me. So that was in my hope box. But at the same time, I had all these questions like, right. God, you could have right. stopped him. Mm-hmm. You could have stopped him. You stopped other people. You do miracles. You make the sun stand still. You part the waters. You heal. Why didn't you stop? And all, did he think about yeah. us? Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, all these just so intimate questions that I had no answers for. And Le Creuset is a brand of little cookware. You know, yeah. you know that is yep. cookers. Yep. And, um, but I got a little tiny one and I started writing out my questions on strips of paper and I put them inside this little pot and I called it my mystery pot. Because Le Creuset means the crucible. Mm-hmm. Oof. So my faith was going through Oof. a fire. Mm. And so, and it's even orange. I mean, I went for the whole symbol. <laughs> fiery, orangey yeah, red. Yeah, yeah. I'm going through the fire. Yes. And I put my questions. And I have my mystery pot with the things that I cannot answer. Mm. I will never be able yeah. to answer here. Along with my hope box. And to me, that is how you have a gritty Mm. faith. Mm. It's hope. 
and mystery have to sit side by side. If you have hope without mystery, you have an untested faith. Mm. If you have mystery without hope, you'll be bitter. Mm. So hope box and mystery pot have to coexist for us Mm -hmm. to deal with these questions of where is God Mm -hmm. when it hurts. That's just straight up encouraging. Mm -hmm. Thank you for digging deep into the crap and the beauty and the mystery. And thank you. I mean, just as a leader of who you are and who you've been for a person like you to say that you don't have answers. I think that the Christendom world has gone. No, no, we're Bible answer people. You know, I got the Bible answer man right here in my pocket. And when you can kind of go, gosh, I, I have this and this mm-hmm. with this mystery and hope. And I the certainty is a little dangerous in here. The certainty were, was none of your words in there. I mean, there's it's it's like hope. And what's at, we're doing some studies in the word hope and that the word hope actually is rarely about what he'll do for us. But it was just him alone as hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that really started rocking my world. And that even makes this concept even more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you. I I will. I want to practice that. C.S. Lewis wrote, I'll mangle the quote, but um, it's something like, I know now why you give no answers. You yourself are the answer. Mm. Mm. That's helped me. Yeah. Yeah. Those promises are really difficult. Uh, The promises of God that I I think I, I've hung on to for so many years and I'm, I'm re just, I'm just trying to rethink my thinking. It's a little bit of repenting on them. Um, Not on the, promise giver, but who were they were for? Like they were for a certain group of people, not necessarily. I mean, we just get to learn in the heart of God as we look in. And it depends on how you see the written word of God and all that stuff, which is great. But it's been really hard. And I think for a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that would go, gosh, I remember when it was uh, 9-11, when all that happened, we all had those services right afterwards for everybody. And we're singing these Psalms and reading these Psalms are like, God will protect you. He's going to be the one who does all these great things for you. You won't have to go through the fire. You're going to. And I'm like, I'm calling BS on this right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is incongruent with the certainty that I feel like I'm supposed to be holding to like, no, this is how it goes. And God does these things. I'm like, no, he doesn't. And then cancer comes and I'm like, see, all the promises of God. But I'm also saying I could die tomorrow. Um, I just didn't know how to do all that. And to have this idea of hope box and mystery box mm-hmm. and being able to live in the tension, that's just so beautiful. Also gritty faith, uh, is your next book probably. So I'll let you keep it, <laughs> but it's a pretty good title. Though. Well, you know, we like, we like a blingy faith. We keep looking for a, a blingy, pretty mm-hmm. faith. Um, you know, we want to bedazzle yeah. faith and, and make it all of these things. And that kind of faith just won't take you when the bottom yes. falls. It just won't take yes. you through when the bottom yeah. falls out. You've got to have, you have to have a gritty, I say a, you know, a skinned knee. I, I wrote something one time that just got ridiculous. I tried to think of every um, metaphor I could use about gritty faith, like, like teeth Um, you know, skinned knees, um, get up, punch again. It was, it was like every kind of thing I could think of to say, no, that's the kind of Uh faith that we have to have to get through all that life brings to us. And so pretty faith, mm, it, it'll take you, you know, it'll take you to lunch tomorrow, but that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Okay. That is so helpful. Hmm. Are there things that we can be doing as um, Jesus people? So it's almost, there are two sides. There are the people who are maybe the other four. Well, I don't know. Again, math is not my gift either. So you've got one out of five. Uh, yes. <laughs> other four out of five. That's a, that's a safe one. Just leave it right. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh my gosh. I, and I homeschool, homeschool my kids. This is perfect. Um, but it, for everybody, everybody who's kind of sitting there watching people go through crazy things and just in the midst of mental illness, mental health, all these things. How do we walk with people well in the midst of those things instead of just saying, hey, go go to the doctor, get fixed? The same is, I mean, you and I have both had cancer. So I, yep. I can, for me, I can compare it to my own cancer journey, which was that the minute I was diagnosed, all these people rallied around us. Yeah. And 
um, you know, they made us meals and they yep. took care of my kids and they scrubbed my toilet and yep. they took me to doctor visits and they took me to radiation and yep. they, they just literally showed up. And um, when somebody gets a diagnosis of major depression or schizophrenia or bipolar or borderline personality mm. or OCD or whatever, most of the time we're like, hmm, mm-hmm. okay. Okay, okay, gosh, man, I'm sorry. And and we leave it at that. And instead of rallying in that same way, right. and particularly, I think when people have serious mental illness, the, the kind of stuff that isn't going to go away, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. just isn't. Yep. It just isn't mm-hmm. going to go away. And medication may help and maybe it won't. Yeah. And maybe they're in therapy. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're homeless. Maybe they're in the prison, uh, the jail cycle because they're, yep. they don't understand. You know, when you get into that mm-hmm. kind of a hellish place with mental illness, uh, we as believers tend to do one of two things, either just say, again, it's your fault. You know, you're not doing something right, yeah. mm-hmm. either family members or the person who is uh, who is affected. Or we just kind of go, gosh, I don't know what to do with that. So that's pretty messy. Um, we're just not good at the long haul. Yeah. You know, we're good. We're good in the short term. Mm. Most of us are not good staying by people in the long haul. And people who have serious mental illness or people who have substance abuse um, disorders, people who relapse on and yeah. off, who people who don't get their stuff together. Right. And are just they they're the they're the people that just don't do well in life and they're not gonna do well. Mm-hmm. And we just give up. Mm-hmm. We just get bored with it or we get tired of it or we move on to something where we feel like we can make a difference or or we can get a, a, a success story mm-hmm. or we mm-hmm. can see something concrete and, and sometimes with serious mental illness, that just isn't gonna happen. And those families are in desperate Mm. need of ongoing support, Mm. compassion, um, journeying with us. And not everybody will do it. They, you know, they just won't, but, but God bless the few that do because they become lifesavers. It literally can be the difference between life and death. Sometimes when people are suicidal, they are not seriously mentally ill like Matthew was where he Mm -hmm. threatened and tried, you know, for years and years. And we were, even though the day he died, we didn't expect him to die that day. Yeah. We still, it didn't yeah. hit us out of the blue. Like, yeah. where did that come from? Yeah. But but what is true about many people who die by suicide is that they have a struggle. Maybe they are experiencing depression or some anxiety and it rises to a level in which it starts to feel intolerable. And then there's a level of impulsivity especially mm-hmm. like with youth, teenagers and youth and children, yeah. there's a level of impulsivity that, so if they have something go wrong at school or something go wrong in a relationship or something's not going right at home, and then there's this um, impulsivity of uh, not being able to think of, well, maybe things will be better next month. Right. Maybe things will be better next yep. week. There's this, that moment. It's like, and then the, and then access to a lethal means. So you don't have to have serious mental illness for decades like Matthew to yeah. die by suicide. Right. And mm. so when we can step in as the faith community on a more consistent level of journeying with each other, then there becomes safe places for people to reach out and say, I'm struggling or I don't know what to do or 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 this just feels insurmountable. I don't know what to do with this pain. I don't know yeah. what to do. Nothing's ever going to change. And when we know that and we can step in, we not only are kind, we actually can save lives. Mm. And so what we're talking about is the difference for some people between life and death. Mm. And so that call to show compassion as Jesus did, as God says to, I'm a God of compassion. I'm your shepherd. I'm your good shepherd. Well, that's our job. Mm. It's our job. Okay. Would you just take a moment uh, I don't know, you might be walking or driving in a car or doing something, but you just take a moment and breathe in what Kay just said. When we can step into the life of someone struggling, not only are we being kind, but we can actually save a life. Is there someone you've been thinking about lately? There is for me. Somebody you've been praying for lately? There is for me. Who do you know that's been walking through something pretty heavy? Maybe it's someone in your community. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's just someone who you've been seeing in passing. Let's be representers of the way of Jesus today. Maybe ask God to open a door for you to see that person again. 
And let's check in with that person today or sometime this week. Say, God, would you open a door for this to happen? And just say, hey, I'm, I'm with you and I'm for you. And if there's a way I can walk with you in this, I would be honored to. Be a representer of the peace of Jesus, reminding people that you are for them and you are willing to walk with them. Who is it? Jesus, lead on. Uh, Last question, Kay. As far as people who are listening to this who either have been diagnosed or curious about it, do you have any thoughts or things to say to them? Yeah, it's um, this is not a journey that anybody asks for. This is not an experience that anybody wants to sign up for having, you know, mental health challenges. It's a part of being human. And um, I for some people more so than others. And the thing is, there is help. There is hope. There are such good strategies for some people. Medication makes an enormous difference. Mm -hmm. Um, Therapy makes a difference for people. There's so many things, your body, your soul and spirit. So it's like, take Mm. care of yourself on every level. Get, Mm. Get help spiritually, get help mentally, get help physically, get help relationally, get help emotionally. Every single part of you needs support if you've just been diagnosed with a mental illness and you need to know that we've been talking about suicide and suicidality, but most people do not attempt to take their lives. And those who maybe attempt once don't do it again. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it is this life sentence and, and my life just, Great. you know, yeah. went yep. into the toilet. Not yep. true. Not yeah. true at all. We all live with something. Everybody struggles. Mm-hmm. Don't struggle alone. Mm-hmm. That I think is the message that the two messages of the church is you don't, you shouldn't have to whisper about anything about your life at church. The church should be the safest place <laughs> yeah. that oh, in the world where you don't have to whisper about uh-huh. anything. And secondly, you don't have to struggle alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, if you were playing basketball, that would have been a swish, like a, a three-pointer. I thought you were going to ask me a basketball question. And I was no, like, no, no, Kay, that is just, Please don't. that is the, the hope for, if the church has the title of hope of the world, which I, it's Jesus, but if we have a role, that is the role. And that's, that has not been the role mm-hmm. of the, the church generally is like, it's not a place where you, you can't, you have to whisper, like, I struggle with this. But I love that, Kay. That is just such a good encouragement and an invitation for us to be the church to my neighbors and to each other. And thank you. So good to be with you. Um, I'm just going to give a a few last questions and these are just fast questions. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're doing such a great job, Kay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Really quick before I do that, Kay, are there any things that you're doing or excited about that you people can go check out or... Yes, my website, kwarren.com, is full. It's absolutely chock full of information about mental illness, about suicide, about grief. That was one of the sad things for us as parents is we didn't know where to go to get help. And we didn't know. I mean, the Internet's bottomless. How do you know what to trust? So this is a curated site of Mm. of amazing resources that people can go to. Some of the videos that we've done, other events that we've done, plus downloads and it's okay. I, I'm, I'm proud of it uh, i mean it's it's a site that's full of good information i love the thing that i'm getting to do now which is i uh, is a ministry to parents called breathe mm. and it is to sort of supplement like the stuff that that i didn't have yeah. i didn't have yep. that kind of support i didn't have a safe place to go with my fears for my mm. son with my spiritual angst of how yep. do i live as a faithful christian who yes. is not seeing god answer in ways that i need I feel so alone. I'm so tired of being the mom at the Bible study group where everybody's like, oh, my son got a, got a scholarship to Yale. Oh, you know, the biggest mm. problem we're having right now is homework. And I'm like, yeah, my son just kicked a hole in the wall. Right. And I don't know if he's going to live through tomorrow. Right. Um, you know, so to have a place where people and moms and dads can um, find that kind of community, yeah. uh, breathe. Yeah. I mm. love that. It's my so, favorite thing. Uh, to do. How do people find that? On my website. Okay. Warren. Okay, that's on your website. Perfect. Yep. Okay, great. And okay. I have a Zoom call. Coming up, we do in-person retreats. We okay. do respite retreats. We do Zoom okay. retreats. All that. Cool. And there's awesome. a private Facebook page for parents. So. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let her off the hook. 
I was gonna go oh. give her some of these things. Wow. I just, I just don't want her to feel. I, you know, I, gosh, you. Thank you, Kay. Killed it. Thank yes. you, thank right. you, thank you, amazing. thank you. People, go check out what she's doing. We're grateful for you, Kay. Thank you. Yes, thank yeah. you. Kay. It was a privilege to be with you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And we are more than just casual friends. We are buds. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thank you, Kay. I was going to ask her her pet peeves, but she... <laughs> Not the time. Not the time. Not the time. I just, yeah. I thought, you know what? We're, we're going to let her off. <laughs> Good call. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Way to read the room. Yeah. yeah. Read, read, well. the zoom. read the Zoom. Read the Zoom. Read the Zoom. Way to Guys, read the Zoom. I'm so good at branding. I'm oh just saying. Oh, my gosh. Um, and what was your title, book title for her? Gritty, uh, Gritty, Gritty Faith. Faith. Yeah. She said that. I was like, oh, she's probably already written it. Oh, that's a book of the hope. It's <laughs> a book. Guys, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, encouraging to see that, I think, from a faith leader where she came and said, oh, there's a lot of things that just didn't work. And uh, and so now I have my, what did she call it? Her mystery bowl. That she mystery puts a, pot. M- mystery pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that she puts things in. And I love the way that she did that because it it just invited the curiosity. Yeah. Um, which doesn't happen no, as much I mean, as we'd the, love to the, see the, the faith community, as she calls it, is is anything but curious. It's like, no, 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 we hold our lines because mm-hmm. if he, if any of these little threads get pulled on, then mm-hmm. the whole thing goes. Mm-hmm. And to have somebody like her going, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't know. She's also experienced, obviously, the most like horrific thing yeah. Um, yeah. to go through. I don't yeah. know. If no. there's a if there's a worse thing that could happen as a parent, and so I like, what else do you do? You you can't fake your way through that. Yeah. So it was really yes, you, powerful. Yeah, you to can't listen. spiritualize your way through that. No, it's not no. going to happen. Yeah. Uh, there's maybe some other things you can. Yeah. You right. know, in life, and but gosh, I just don't think. Yeah. I don't think you can there. Yeah. And so I had a lot of respect for how she did that, and her story is just pretty incredible. That's just I just I'm such a fan. Hmm. Of hers um, and how she's held herself through things. And even that, I mean, now I'm a bigger fan, but yeah. Um, so people check out uh, kwarren.com. Mm-hmm. Yes. She's collected a lot of really important and efficient resources for families, parents who are grieving or have walked through something similar um, and other resources for us to help be the church to people who are struggling and yeah. partner with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everything you need is at kwarren.com. Yeah. We'll have links there probably in, in, in the show notes. In the show notes. Uh, okay, people. Thank you for being a part of this. Thanks for supporting us, um, liking, subscribing, rotating. Um, and wherever you, <laughs> if, if you don't know how to like and subscribe, do you guys know that you can go on the whatever aperture that you use? That was a silly language for an app. Um, that you can like it and rate it with only five stars. Um, and mm-hmm. comments are so helpful. Or just share it with your friends. Um, I think that's about it. We will see you next week. Next time. Next Bye time. Guys. Next time. <laughs>